Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, Katie Starsmore and Ben Lahart join us to discuss the Green Feed Trial, where they are measuring methane emissions and trialling feed additives that may have the potential to dramatically reduce methane emissions from grass-fed dairy cows. Yeah, so methane is produced in the rumen, which is a compartment of the stomach of a ruminant. So ruminants are animals such as cows and sheep. And so when cows eat grass or any feed, it goes into their rumen first, which is the first compartment of their stomach. And so there's bugs in the rumen that produce the methane. So it's actually not the cow that produces the methane, it's bugs within the rumen that convert other gases into methane, which is then burped out. And if we consider, say, the then uh, to put a figure on it do you have an idea of the average methane that is produced uh, per cow per day and you know does that range across cows yeah so um at the moment i just looked at the last three week average and so we're averaging um around 320 grams of methane per day so that's less than a baked beans tin it's it's not a huge amount um but it does vary between cows so you would see that older cows would produce more methane than younger cows but saying that they also produce more milk so when you have it as an efficiency measure looking at the amount of methane per kilogram of milk the older cows are actually more efficient so ideally you want to be breeding more efficient cows um so that's 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 important to note as well and um you know as you say the average is 320 grams um is that a consistent emission throughout the day from cows or would you see peaks and troughs in the amount of methane they're producing throughout the day yes there would definitely be peaks and troughs um it it depends on how much the cow's eating so after a cow has gone into fresh grass you would expect that her intake would increase um, and then following from that, the methane would increase. So the more work that the rumen is doing, digesting the food, the more methane that's being produced as a byproduct. And, and you're able to give us a specific figure. And as you say, it was a three week average. And I guess that's based on the measurements that you're carrying out at Chagas Moor Park. Can you give us some insight yeah. into the experiment and, and what exactly you're measuring? Yeah, so uh, we measure methane from the cow um, through measuring their um, emissions from their mouth. So 95% of methane emissions is actually expelled through their mouth through burping um, or eructation and exhalation. So the way we measure methane is we have a trailer which has a feed bin on the back of it and in the feed bin um, that is the incentive for the cows to use the machine. So they get a little bit of concentrate feed when they go in. It's about 30 grams um, dropped uh, a few times every 20 seconds over a two-minute period. So we're getting two-minute measurements from these cows um, and then that's averaged. So the cows can visit at any time during the day and the, the trailer's moved around to follow their grazing rotation. So the cows can visit at any time of the day. So that's how we know when it peaks and drops throughout the day because cows are visiting, let's say, 1 a.m. and then again at 6 and then again at midday and, and so on. So um, that's how we're measuring methane at the moment. And so so you have, as you say, the, the equipment is on a trailer and, you know, the incentive is for the, the, the incentive is concentrate feed. Um, in terms then of the... Um, the number of visits that cows are achieving per day and what is the target? So the cows at the moment are produ uh, visiting just over two times a day, which is our target. Um, 
And so that's enough to be able to get accurate readings. So if you average that over a two or three um, week period, as I just said before, you'd be able to capture all of those different timings that the cows would visit. So you'd get a pretty good idea at what um, the cow is producing. And in terms then of the, the animals that are on this experiment, like how long are they on the experiment and, and you know, how long is the intention for this to last? So at the moment, we have four of these machines and in total, there's 165 cows being measured. And so Ben is running a study which will follow all of the cows through until the end of lactation. So as soon as they carved out a grass, he had them on um, until the end of lactation. And then there's also another trial going on. um, So we will have data for spring and then we're moving in the summer on to looking at clover. So that'll be another um, addition to the trial. And if if we think about methane production um, and you mentioned that it is, um, I guess, the process of digestion um, that, um, you know, I guess determines the amount of methane a cow is going to produce. Um, you also mentioned that you're going to introduce clover into the experiment. Um, yeah, I suppose. Is there a sword factor in how much a cow will produce in terms of methane per day? Yeah, so the more digestible the food is, the less methane you'll have. So if you're going into good quality grass, you would produce um, less methane per kilogram of dry matter, dry matter eaten. But in saying that, um, some cows, because the grass is better, like the more digestible and higher quality, um, they could eat more, which would then re- increase total emissions. So it depends on what you're looking at. But for us, um, it would be important to have um, good grass quality. In terms then of clover, um, we would have spoken with Deirdre Hennessy last week in relation to uh, the merits of clover um, as a fee from a feed quality perspective in terms of um, higher quality, uh, higher digestibility. Um, you know, do you expect that to see that there will be a lower methane output um, with the inclusion of clover? And, and maybe as a follow on point, is there any... I guess, scope for investigation with, I suppose, varieties of grass like the multi-species swords? Yeah, so um, with the clover, if, like, as you said, the quality um, we expect to be better. So in turn, that would decrease the amount of methane per kilogram of, mox, uh, per kilogram of dry matter eaten. Um, and also some research has shown that the, the milk production increases, then that would help with the efficiency as well. So that work will be done um, in the summer till the end of the year. So it's interesting stuff. Um, And then looking at the multi-species stuff, yeah, that's definitely in the scope. uh, But we just don't have time to do it this year. So I'd say in the next few years, we'll be looking into that as well. And I guess a final question then to you, Katie. When we think about um, emissions, and, and we're very much in the scenario in Ireland where we're you know, predominantly grass based, um, you know, a, a long grazing season of anywhere from 270 to 300 days on farms. You know, how does this compare? Uh, how do the emissions compare from that Irish grass based system when we compare it to, um, you know, the indoor house systems? Yes, yeah, so when we look at total emissions from those two different systems, you would expect to see that our system here in Ireland, the grass-based system, would have a lower total methane, what, sorry, low, lower total emissions. And this would mainly be because obviously we grow our own feed, so we don't have to cart feed in from other countries and all of those emissions that are going into it as well. So our overall environmental footprint um, is a lot better than those indoor systems. 
And to you, Ben, um, you know, Katie has given us an idea of how you carry out the experiments using the green feed system. And from what I understand, the concentrate is treated with additives. Can you give us an idea of the potential feed additives will offer uh, from an environment or a sustainability perspective? Yes, yeah, so feed additives themselves, um, you know, offer great potential um, as you know, they can potentially reduce methane emissions from enteric fermentation, which is the primary greenhouse gas emission from agriculture in Ireland. So anything that can reduce it, you know, could potentially be, you know, play a very large role in helping us meet our emission um, reduction targets over the next number of years. Um, you know, like the additives themselves come in, you know, there's a, there's a number of different types of additives. Um, you know, there's different forms of seaweeds, there's nitrates, there's um, essential oil, there's garlic and citrus byproducts. Um, and all these work in slightly different modes of action, but they all generally have the same end result um, within indoor studies in that they can um, reduce methane um, emissions from um, livestock. So like the additives themselves have been tested within indoor environments, um, you know, where animals are offered a, a total mixed ration diet. Um, and this basically allows the animals to consume uh, the, the additive continuously throughout the day. As for every mouthful of feed they're eating, they're getting the additive going into the room. And, and this has led to, you know, these reductions we've seen, you know, like red seaweed, asparagus, we've seen results of 80% um, reduction in methane emissions. Um, you know, which, which is which is massive and it's, it's it's very positive. Like, but one I suppose potential limitation is the effect on um, you know how we do with our grass. So, our grass we can only supplement you know max twice daily, generally uh, morning and evening milking. So, the inclusion of the additives um, in the concentrate, you know, it's going into the cow's room and twice daily. So that um, is potentially, you know, an, an area that will, could, you know, could need to be um, tailored. And and you mentioned, Ben, that, you know, the, a lot of these additives are tried and tested in a TMR environment. Um, are those results, like, for example, what you talk about with the red seaweed reducing methane by 80%, is that consistent over the long term or, you know, is, is that a shorter term experiment? Um, you see, it, it varies on, on what study is done, but like there was one study done on red seaweed recently um, and the, the effect lasted for, um, you know, lasted for about 60 days. And then after that, there's, there's, a, there's a thing called brome, brome form in the, in the seaweed. And that um, basically went after 60 days, which is the main mitigating factor. For methane emissions which led led to the, the red seaweed losing its efficacy so some additives can potentially lose its efficacy there's more research required in in the area and and from the perspective then of the greenfield ex, green feed experiments that yourself and katie are working on is there any particular additives that ye, you're investigating in particular and you know any interesting results to date um, so last year in 20, uh, I suppose from, we did two studies in the back end of last year, we looked at two different additives. Um, in one study, we looked at a blend of phytochemicals um, and in another study, we looked at a blend of seaweeds. So these were red, green and brown seaweeds. Um, and in the phytochemical study, it was fed at a rate of one gram per kilo. And in the seaweed study, it was fed at a rate of 70 grams per kilo. Um, and there were basically two independent studies with a control group to compare the, the additive tree cows. 
Um, and the additive, the concentrate was fed to, you know, sim simulate as close as possible commercial practice was, it was fed twice daily out of the milk impeller. And the results we found, we didn't find any significant uh, effect on um, methane emissions. We've seen a slight improvement in um, productivity with the, the phytochemicals, um, but no effect on efficiency. So methane per kilo of milk solids. Um, you know, but like it's 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 early days yet, um, and you know we still have we're going to continue testing. Um, you know, going to continue testing additives, and if we identify one, um, you know, it'll be put put through a full and rigorous test in terms of its ability to reduce methane over a long term period within grazing systems. And Ben, you have alluded to this already, but where an additive within your experiments, and as you say, there would there would be fairly rigorous testing that would follow if something was indicating, um, you know, uh, I suppose lower levels of methane emissions and and I guess a mitigation strategy. But at farm level, if we if we think about it from a practical perspective and how we could implement um, such an additive, like as I say, you've alluded to it in that you've said the limitation is animals are only exposed to concentrate maybe twice a day in the parlor but yeah, I, yeah. I guess looking to that twice a day in the parlor is there any options to put some of these additives through a water system and 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 i guess um supplement cows with the additives in that manner there isn't any research looking in the water system but there is research going on in new zealand um there's an additive called Trinop or Bovair, um, and it's been widely researched and proven to reduce uh, methane in, do in indoor settings by around 30%, but they're looking at formulating a, a slow release, you know, a slow, slow release method for it in concentrates and grazing systems in New Zealand. So, you know, this research is ongo ongoing, but there hasn't been any re results from it to date. Um, but, you know, that's true to water, potentially but there just hasn't been re any research conducted on it today either. and again from a practical perspective um you know there are some farmers who are resistant to feeding concentrate in the mid-season where grass production is you know much higher than demand and you know farmers yeah, yeah. really want to utilize the grass that's available to cows yeah. You know, in that scenario, um, you know, what is the maximum feed levels you would need to feed a cow in order to uh, offer her the intake of additives she would require, but maintain a minimum level of concentrate supplementation? The, the additives themselves are actually quite a low, in quite a low um, makeup in the concentrate. So they're only like, they're only like um, a percent or even under that could be half a percent. So like, you don't actually wouldn't actually need to feed that much concentrate. Like you could feed half a kilo and still be fine, if not slightly less. Um, if you did have an additive that was showing potential in a grazing system, so there wouldn't be any major issue in that respect. Yeah. So, like, I mean, what what I'm hearing from you is, like, I mean, farmers aren't going to end up in a situation where they have to no, they don't feed, want, feed yeah, too much. They won't have to feed like four kilo. Yeah, yeah. So. Katie has explained a couple of things to us, Ben, in terms of that more digestible grass um, will lead to a lower methane emissions from cows. And as well as that, looking at that older, uh, more mature cow uh, is producing more milk and more methane, but her efficiency is greater um, in, in terms of emission output. Also, you know, we've heard um, results um, from research that shows a link between high EBI, um, high genetic merit and a lower emissions rate. Can you give us some insight into that? 
Yeah, so the EBI itself is, you know, it, it's already largely selecting for increased efficiency. So as you, you said, um, it's selecting for older animals. They're more, they're more efficient, um, you know, because they, they're, they're producing less methane per kilo of output. Um, EBI is also selecting for um, slightly lighter animals as well. So, you know, animals have a higher maintenance sub-index within the EBI of a lower live weight. And from the results we've seen last year in the green feed, um, we've seen that, you know, lighter animals are also more efficient. Um, so like the EBI at large is selecting for um, increased efficiency on an environmental level. And we, we also looked at the, um, the next generation herd last year and we conducted a, a life cycle assessment um, of the next generation herd. So the, basically it's two groups of animals. One is a very high EBI group of 180 EBI and one is a, a national average group representative of the national average in Ireland. And this was um, had an EBI of 80 euro. And the difference in um, greenhouse gas emissions per kilo of milk output was um, in the region of 10%. So the high EBI cows were producing 10% um, less methane or greenhouse gas emissions per kilo of output. Um, and for every 10 euro increase in EBI, there was um, a 1% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions intensity. And 10 euro increase in EBI is the annual rate of genetic gain for DBI present um, nationally. So like for every year that farmers continue to select on EBI, they're continuing to reduce um, green, greenhouse gas emissions intensity um, by 1%. So like, the, I guess, huge gains to be made um, with with higher EBI animals. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I suppose going forward, Ben, and I know now a lot of people will will have finalised um their their bull selection and they're in the thick of breeding at the moment but like is there potential going forward to select um lower methane animals is it just uh, the fertility sub-index you're looking at or is there is there more that we can focus on within the ebi in order to select um i guess lower methane producing cows yeah, so like for, for and like GBI is, is as it is at the minute, and you know it's been fairly consistent. Uh, there hasn't been much change over the last number of years. Um, but like methane is definitely a trait that you know will, you know should be considered for inclusion. Like for to include a trait in a breeding index it needs to be um, socially or economically important. It needs to, which you know I think it is. It is socially important to include methane. It needs to show variation. So for that Katie said um, that, that there is variation for methane. And there's a similar level of variation to a um, milk solid yield and body weight. So we can select for them. So we can select for methane. But I suppose the major limitation will be um, that availability. So like, you know, getting actual methane records of animals to generate breeding values. Um, but there is research ongoing. Um, there's potential in um, using milk recording data to predict methane, um, you know, and this will be interesting to follow over the, the coming years. Great to sit down and chat with you today, um, Katie and Ben. And as you say, this is all quite new research, um, but it is ongoing. And maybe we'll catch up with you at the at the end of the grazing season to hear about the exciting results um, that you have um, across the next generation and the Park dairy herd. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Katie Starsmore and Ben Lahart for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.